0: This is Father Gregory Pine. This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress. And welcome to God's Plenty. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Aha! You didn't see that two podcast (laughs) sentence coming, did you? Um, But there it is. Always surprise us here on God's Plenty especially Mm -hmm. surprises in English syntax, because when I'm not slurring my words, (laughs) I'm making them up. So Father Joseph Anthony, here we are. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, We record episodes now a little bit in advance. So sometimes they don't feel like Mm -hmm. um, as in the moment. But for these special series, we are more so in the moment. And you're coming to the end of a school year, and you're coming to the end of a business year, and you're coming to the end of your 34th year, fifth year. So how are things, man? Uh, they're chaotic, uh, but it's, it's a beautiful,
1: it's a beautiful tornado that we live in, uh, that's called life. And, uh, no, it's, we got done with the Easter octave. Uh, we got through the triduum and all that kind of party stuff. And when you're working in an environment that is very extremely dependent on the academic calendar, throwing like a super religious holidays over 10 days is, is can be difficulty. Um, But it gets to the point where like that gap in between the Easter and graduation is like super intense. And there's like a lot of anxiety and stress and students are freaking out because they want to be able to enter into Easter and they want to be able to uh, to celebrate during the octave time. But at the same time, the rest of the world doesn't really stop for that and demands keep tenue. And then they realize like, oh, no, I only got two weeks left and I got to write my papers before I graduate. So it's a unique time. Uh, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of good that's happening. Um, spring has sprung and it's beautiful weather. And what you want to do is just spend your entire day at a coffee shop outside or go hiking in the blue Ridge because the creator himself is a master in his beautiful works of, uh, the blue Ridge mountains are singing, Mm -hmm. calling my name. They're calling out to me those (sighs) mountains. Let me tell you. So yeah, things are good and beautiful, but it's, it's a chaotic time.
0: Nice. Well. I can't imagine you in a situation where everything was like well-kept intended to and you didn't have a variety of responsibilities to uh, chase down, pin down, otherwise beat down. So as I'm hearing you describe it, I rejoice in your bizitude. That's like busyness, except it's different. (laughs) Woo! Okay. Um, This past weekend, (laughs) I had uh, two guys who came and visited from Germany. Uh, Tim, uh, whom I had known from a from a previous visit and then his friend Aaron. And we basically just talked mm-hmm. about the faith, and mm-hmm. it's like uh, you know Switzerland is so punishingly punishingly expensive that the only thing I can afford to do is walk around outside and call it hiking, so that <laughs> way it sounds less lame. Um, so we took a hike, but it was it was so cold and it was raining so much that I was like, hey, how about we just stop at a place and grab some soup, and then make a decision as to whether we want to keep hiking, and then we took mm. a bus home, and it was awesome. Um, <laughs> and then we just hung out and chatted. That was a good decision. <laughs> yeah soups so, and buses exactly um so soups and buses that happened and um also had some liturgy flow here, but I was not responsible for the planning and execution the same mm-hmm. way that you were, so I was mostly just um enjoying it Pla- planning a little bit uh-huh. but mostly enjoying it um so I had a couple yeah, of masses with cool. the English speaking community in Bern a couple of masses with uh, a community of sisters here in freeburg. I was at home for one liturgy and then uh yeah that was that was it cool. But um, yeah, okay. So speaking of Easter, which we have celebrated, which we continue to celebrate, we thought that this Easter, Mm -hmm. as you now know, would be a propitious moment for meditation on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, Gifts of the Holy Spirit are very precious to Father Joseph Anthony and me, why? Well, because we're Christians. Um, Also, because we went to Franciscan University of Steubenville, where Uh the Holy Spirit features prominently in (laughs) both the classroom and extra Mm -hmm. classroom setting. I was going to say curricular, but classroom sounded like that's what I was going to. I was was like, like, a classroom (laughs) is a unique classroom
1: setting in a small Um, city in eastern Ohio called Steubenville,
0: exactly home of the classrooms. (laughs) Yeah, so it was an instant classic. Um, But uh, we're we're, we're talking in these Easter weekends about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are listed for us in Isaiah Mm eleven verses two and three. So father Joseph, Anthony, as we return to these, uh, these episodes here, we're about halfway through, um, Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. any, any orientation or groundwork that we think needs to be laid at the outset that we can help our readers to get back into the conversation, which may have been left off for six or seven days.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think when we
1: it should be something that we're always coming back to because like we the basics are never lost on us and it's something that you always have to keep uh reinforcing time and time again um is that you know the the gifts of the holy spirit are that which begin in us without our baptism so it is um something that's initiated within us and that they're originated um in, in god himself so they're they're, they're gifts of God to us as, as his children. And they're unique in that sense is that like, they're given to his children at that moment where we become his adopted sons and daughters. So we can look back to these things and I think we'll, we'll discuss here in a little bit, uh, might be a refresher of like the differences between gifts and virtues and all this other fun stuff, but always getting back to the fact that they are gifts given to us by God to his children so that they're, in many respects, dependent upon our baptismal identity and drawing us into a deeper, um, I would say, I don't know, like... Fulfillment, commitment, I, you know, representation, but it's drawing us more deeply into that baptismal identity as the sons and daughters of God. Um, in that sense,
0: yeah, um, I get made fun of sometimes on Lexio Divina episodes because I try to bring all the sacred scriptures back to obscure points <laughs> about the Trinity. <laughs> Um, Ooh. which, you know, if you're going to get made fun of for something, it's not, it's not the worst thing. So I'll take that. Hey, over. listen, somebody has got to do it, right? Somebody's got to <laughs> do it. I think Father Patrick's point is that somebody doesn't have to do it, but at, well, <laughs> so, um, yeah, just thinking about how you laid it out there, thinking about in terms of our baptism, specifically in terms of our sonship. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we have father, son, and Holy spirit. I mean, we don't, I mean, father, son, and Holy spirit, that's just it. Period. Uh, you don't need to say anything Boom. beyond that, but, At the heart of the Most Blessed Trinity, we say that the the Father begets the Son and that the Father and the Son breathe forth the Holy Spirit. So we talk about those Trinitarian processions and those Trinitarian processions are kind of the pattern of God's subsequent um, kind of entry into or dealings with creation. And so we'll talk about the Mm -hmm. missions of the divine persons. And uh, when St. Thomas talks about the, the persons who are sent, the Son and the Holy Spirit, he says that the Son is sent as the author of sanctification and that Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit is sent as the gift of sanctification. So this name of gift is something very precious, because it signifies the fact that God communicates himself as a gift to be, you know, to be recognized and to be received to be unpacked over the course of a life. So I like the way that you described it as an ongoing feature of our Christian maturation. It's something with which we're constantly engaging something on which we're constantly meditating. Um, So in these episodes, we've been making connections between certain virtues, and certain gifts of the Holy Spirit, because that's what Christians have done for centuries and centuries. So we're in heavy reliance Mm -hmm. upon this one treatise, I guess you would call it of St. Augustine on the Sermon on the Mount. And then on St. Thomas's Aquinas, how many of those words can (laughs) I make possessive St. Thomas's (laughs) Aquinas his reception of that teaching? So we will talk about how, you know, faith is connected to knowledge and understanding, how hope is connected to fear of the Lord, how charity is connected to wisdom. And in this case, we're going to be talking about counsel, which is, which is connected to prudence. So, okay, they're connected, cool. And they'll go on to describe how they're connected to the Beatitudes and how they're connected to the petitions of the Our Father, all of which is very beautiful and elegant. But maybe we could just focus a little bit on the basic distinction between virtues and gifts. Um so i don't know if you have some good analogies that you use when describing this to your students things that you like to go back to
1: yeah i think it's to i think it's important to start to understand that both virtues and the gifts are about um kind of perfectioning the person right and and this is about okay these both of these things are kind of tending towards the same goal but like why are they unique can we speak of them as as unique things or is different is there a distinction between them because if they're both about the same kind of goal is the perfection of man, then does it, are we just splitting hairs and and calling the same thing by two different names here? And Aquinas talks about how the fact is that no, they are unique in different things because the virtues are kind of the, the powers of perfection that are within man himself. So it's, it's something that he does, um, in, in that work. Whereas the gifts by that very title of gift is, representing its origin, which is different than the the man um, being perfected. It's a gift by another, which in this case is God himself. So by the, using the title of gift, then we're actually recognizing that it's the gift of God to perfect man in that sense. And in that gift, it, there's no expectation of repayment. There's no expectation of that. Now it can grow over the years um, in, In that way. But I think that's, that's a distinction that can be very important to understand is how are the gifts different from the virtues um, is because when we speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a different origin, which is God himself is giving his, or he's given his gift to perfect man. um, And there's no expectation of repayment in that sense.
0: Yeah. So No, that's that's a nice that's a nice little inflection point, because we talked at the outset how, you know, you get all kinds of good things at your baptism. So you get grace is the first thing we talk about, which is our participation in the divine life. It's how Mm -hmm. God shares with us his uncreated life in a created way. Um, And then God's all about the, the serious business of getting that grace into the nooks and crannies of our human souls and bodies. I mean, mostly our souls, but bodies by participation. And so there's where we talk about virtues and gifts of the Holy Spirit and fruits of the spirit and beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, they just perfect different aspects of our human life. And certainly when we talk about virtues, you know, we're told, we're talking about, often, you know, in keeping with the pagan tradition, something that we kind of acquire something that we kind of do. Mind you, of course, mm-hmm. there are virtues which are infused. So we'll talk about the theological virtues in that way. But also, there are infused cardinal virtues besides, but right. this this idea of infusion or of divine initiation is very potent when we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because when we talk about the the virtues, we're talking about something like you said, that we do whereby we act in a human mode. Now, when Mm -hmm. we talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're still talking about a habit. We're still talking about a perfection of the human person, which can grow or which can diminish. But it's something that permits us or capacitates us to act by a divine mode. People are like, Father Gregory, you just said capacitates, like it was a normal word. Um, So (laughs) what the heck? Um, In the sense that, so so like when we operate by the virtues it's like we're in a boat maybe a dinghy uh we're in a small rowboat all right and we've got some oars and it's as if we're pulling at the oars but when we operate by the gifts it's as if we hoist the sail and we are carried on by divine breath so it's still a human thing it's there's still some some human engagement as it were but we just have a more keen sense a more um what would you say acute sense that that god is really initiating and that god is conducting this according to his own yeah sweet sweet designs all right so when we think about the gifts of the holy spirit we're not talking about something it's like god is violent and he is visiting his plans upon me from without in a way that doesn't correspond to my human flourishing nay nay we're talking about something that that deeply corresponds with our human flourishing but that operates in us by a kind of like you said transcendent mode so with that then let's turn to the gift of counsel um so maybe you can take us through what are some of our initial thoughts when it comes to counsel, where are ways in which uh, we see counsel at work or ways in which we take counsel? How do we as human beings typically Mm -hmm. engage this notion of counsel?
1: Um, I think there's a certain maybe familiarity with counsel in our current culture and I see this in, in a lot of respects. Um, and I think it can be overdone, um, maybe even to the extent that it paralyzes some people that they feel like they always have to take advice. So in our common parlance um, with most people is like, oh, I need to take counsel for that, which means simply what? I need to ask somebody else. I need somebody else's opinion on this. I need to um, you know, look for another perspective or viewpoint on this. Um, so to take counsel with somebody is to ask their advice and to see their perspective on it. Um, I think that is actually extremely common in our current culture and society. Um, you know, being a college chaplain at the University of Virginia, which has a fantastic school of commerce, the McIntyre School of Commerce, a top-tier business school in the Darden Business School. So many students graduate here and become consultants, right? They're going into consulting work. They're the you know, top five consulting firms and all this stuff. And it's it's really interesting to see how that has its own culture around it it's its own uh, profession is to consult and take counsel to be the ones giving counsel on that so i think at its core it might get a little lost in this and when we talk about the gift of counsel it's not just asking god what does he you know what's his opinion on this stuff and i'm going to consult him and see what you know makes me feel the best as a way to throw the lawyers off our back and to cover all of our bases on stuff i think it's a different action um, then the sim, the, the consulting culture that's out there in the business world or things like that. Um, but we are, it, there's a understanding of this ability to seek another, um, advice or direction on something in that way.
0: Yeah, no, so we, we use it, like you said, in, in business, we use it in law, we use it in all kinds of settings. The basic idea is that we as human beings are limited. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. besides the fact that we're weak and wounded, we're just limited. So we can only come to knowledge of so many things, or we can only have expertise in so many ways. And so we often take counsel so as to supplement for some of those limitations. Um, And then, well, the question is, with whom do you take counsel? This is always a good question. Mm -hmm. And there are ways in which, you know, certainly in the 21st century, we appreciate Um, Those who have been there previously, who have the credentials, who may have suffered well or aged well or whatever else experienced well, the thing that we're at present trying to navigate or trying to go through. So those are all ways in which the individual commends themselves to our, uh, you know, to our particular decision making process. Um, And I think that you can you can situate it within the decision making process more broadly. Typically, decisions unfold in three steps. So you got this kind of fact gathering piece, and then you have this. Well, let's make a judgment piece, and then you have this. Let's carry it out piece. So when Saint Thomas talks about it apropos of prudence, he says the first stage we'll call counsel, the second stage we'll call judgment, and the third stage we'll call command. And it's good, you know, to to gather data at the outset, but to gather the appropriate amount of data, not to spend one's whole life in the gathering of data, so as to. Uh, delay ever making a decision like writing my dissertation for instance I was ready to somebody told me like you have to start writing pronto because otherwise you'll spend your entire time reading and I was like "Ah," I was terrified so I was like all right I'm gonna start writing tomorrow but the problem is I, I hadn't read anything so I didn't know what I was gonna write about so my director was he he said you know Gregory you should read until Easter and I was like sweet Christmas that is a long time he's like you'll it'll pay off. So I, I didn't write anything for the first nine months of my my studies. Oof. And then I started writing. And then I kept writing. And then I wrote some more and then dot 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 we all know how that story ends in death. <laughs> Just kidding, but seriously. Um, so yes, so it's this piece whereby we fact gather we make, um, yeah. you know, certain consultations, or we um, get in touch with people whom we think might have a, an inside track as to how this decision could go, or at the very least people with whom we have a relationship whom we can trust. So okay, That kind of sets the stage for us uh, when thinking about counsel. Now, maybe maybe we can flesh out the relationship that we have with God and then why this Mm -hmm. is obviously a fitting place in which to seek counsel. So I don't know how you would explain it to your students or how you might counsel a spiritual directee. Where is it that we can find assurance that this relationship is a place in which we can take good counsel?
1: Yeah, I think it's this understanding, once again, that we as a human person is like, are in this, we talk about being the earthly pilgrimage, but we're in a constant path of, of like searching of, of curiosity and just trying to um, yet yeah, pursue these new things. And to then be in that relationship with God, um, to pursue him who has created all these things in his, Um, divine providence orders all things to his good and to his glory and our own. And so this gift of counsel then is starting to allow us to be in touch with that mind of God um, as he orders providence. And I think the the thing that I always get back to is that the gift of counsel actually makes us sensitive to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Um, And that when we allow ourselves to be kind of uh, more in tune with the inspirations of the Holy Spirit to order our days, to go about this um, earthly pilgrimage where we are searching, that we are able to see the kind of glimmers, the the nudges, the inspirations of the Holy Spirit throughout our day so that we can constantly be in union with the mind of God as we go about our practical decisions in the day. Um, and I think that's something we're going to talk about in a little bit is the, the kind of uniqueness of the, of the gift of counsel being very practical in that sense. So it's putting us in union with the mind of God, but by making us most sensitive to the inspirations of the Holy spirit throughout our, our daily lives.
0: Yeah. So that's a great you know, point at which to transition into the heart of the matter, which is to say, we're talking here about decision-making or practical reason, practical wisdom. Uh, this process goes by a variety of names, the big ticket virtue, which kind of runs the show is prudence and uh, prudence is right reason and things to be done. And in prudence, Mm -hmm. we're seeking to take counsel with those who can help us navigate the decision, albeit with a healthy sense of our own responsibility and of our own agency. Uh, But there are certain things, not only certain things which go beyond us, but certain things of such spiritual import that not only do we not want to get them wrong, but we want to really approach them with a sensitivity to how they bear grace, how they can help us to become saints. We don't just want to kind of like I don't know, uh, limp through our lives without any real kind of spiritual maturity, or appreciation for how we're called to become more and more perfectly made to the image and likeness of God, like we want to get after it. And so prudence helps us to do that. But prudence, you know, it's going to lack for sufficient resources at times, because these decisions are, are are big. And because they sometimes just go beyond our limited resources. Um, so it's it's here where counsel really comes into play or it. It makes its presence known because it gives us access to, to God's mm-hmm. thoughts on the matter, not in a way that overrides our humanity or kind of lays waste to the ordinary processes of decision making, but really that like heals them and grows them and calls them further up and further into a kind of divine logic such that we can sympathize with God's thoughts on the matter. And we come to discover that his thoughts on the matter are in fact more interior to us than our own thoughts on the matter are not in that it's like, okay, I've got my thoughts and he's got his thoughts. Let's try to discern which one's best. It's like, no, my thoughts are but pale shadows of his thoughts and I seek for my Mm -hmm, thoughts to mm -hmm. yet be better conformed to or assimilated with his so that I can attain to the full maturity, which is most personal. So it's not like a laying waste of my personality. It's the coming to the perfection of, of my personality. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just I love counsel. I get I get pumped about counsel. Um, but your <laughs> thoughts? Think, yeah, um, hit it. Yeah, I think another thing is that
1: it can also show us like the um not necessarily the vices, although they can, in their extreme, can be vicious. Um, but like the faults that counsel can help um keep us away from or protect us from, if you will. And I think like counsel also helps us to not be, or not act out a rash judgment out of like foolishness. Um, I think it, it, it's something that helps us from, uh, being hasty or, um, being too risky in those things. So like, you can also see that this is not just like patience where it's like, Oh, pump the brakes and don't act too quickly. Don't react to something. But when we are living in the fullness with the gifts of counsel, we start to, see as God sees, right? We start to see according to the mind of God, be informed as he has created and ordered these things. And so that way we don't fall into the trap of making rash um, and ill-formed decisions and and being too quick on on these types of things and thus acting in foolish ways so that we have to learn from failures or uh, other things that we can allow ourselves to learn from the mind of God, be informed by his mind in the inspirations of the Holy Spirit to kind of protect us from those kind of failures and pitfalls along the way.
0: Boom. All right. If I'm a listener at this point, I'm thinking sweet, nice description. Cool. How do I live in my life? All right. How do I not over interpret what I might think to be inspirations? Because people are going to say, all right, I want to be open to God's thoughts on the matter. I want to cultivate mm-hmm. this, this sacred memory, a kind of holy docility, which is yes. healed and elevated by the gift of counsel, which brings my prudence to the limit and beyond. But how do I not then overthink everything? Because you know, do I get a haircut today or tomorrow? Is there an optimal? Is there a maximal? Or um, do do I do something kind of wild and crazy, like quit my job and start that ministry that I've been thinking of for the past two years, even though I have no assurance that it will support me and my family. So we, we don't have to answer all those particular questions. But maybe you know, if we have if we have thoughts on how to sensitize ourselves to the call of the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, such that it becomes for us a kind of daily thing. It shouldn't be extraordinary that just appears like a bolt from the blue or that crashes upon the shores of our conscious mind, but it's going to be something more gentle and something more constant. So what would you say are, are good ways to seek the face of the Lord in mm-hmm. the gift of counsel always? Um, I think I, I have two things here okay so
1: i'll do a quick double hitter uh, and then kick it back to you but the first thing is to ask for an increase of the gift of counsel right once again these are gifts given to us it's the life of god that he gives them to us freely without expecting repayment so there is no nothing wrong about asking the lord increase counsel within me increase the gifts of the holy spirit um i'm ready i desire them i increase them so i think that's always the first thing i get back to is just begin to beseech the Lord for an increase. Um, The second is part of that, you you kind of threw it out there, like that aspect of memory. Once again, when we start to look back on our lives and we start to see how God orders things and his providence um, kind of coursing through our life, um, it helps us to remember and be more confident in the present moment and to be less self-reliant on our own selves and thus we like get tense up and I have to make this right decision, I have to make this. And it's like, no, I can pursue and and, and make the best decision I can while I'm pursuing the glory of God and, and to to do that. So when we start to look at our memory and remind ourselves of God's providence through all of that, that can give us more confidence in making these practical decisions and saying, I'm, I'm pursuing God, I desire him and I desire to be informed by him and allow the Holy spirit to motivate me and prompt me in the right way. And then make that decision with our full human capacity while, uh, being, uh, in union with the mind of God at those moments. So I think the more that we can kind of. Close that gap between the past event and the recognition that this is God's will, the more confident we are in acting with the gift of counsel.
0: Boom. Alright, two, two small things to add. One is read good literature. Um, mm. Literature, I think, has a way of, and we talk about this in literature episodes in the podcast, It has a way of kind of revealing your own humanity to you. Uh, because mm-hmm. it not only does it broaden your experience of humanity, but it kind of transfigures your experience of humanity. And it helps you to draw connections of like, you know, a moral sort, but also of a spiritual sort. Um, such that you can, yeah, just engage more, ri- more richly with the humanity from which you may have become alienated over the course of days or weeks or months or whatever, like I was falling asleep today in meditation for the 50,000th time in the last six days. And I was like, Wait, what Gregory, is it not a, a Gregory from... prime? Yeah, your Gregory pine yeah. meditations are always with you falling asleep.
1: That's, that's what
0: it that is, especially in the afternoon and evening. And I tell you six forty-five oh, wow. PM for a holy half hour is not, not ideal um alas and alack there are dark dark sides to the giving up of the second <laughs> cup of coffee um not entirely convinced but here we go um so yes this was happening I was like greg you're living at a distance from your humanity you need to re-engage your humanity mm-hmm. and I think there are a variety of ways to re-engage your humanity but I think you know mm-hmm. listening to your body is one but um, reading good literature helps you to do so and then journaling is another thing that I'm going to recommend I don't I'm not a big man for journaling all the time, which is to say I don't mm-hmm. do it, but every once in a while I do do it. And yes, there are excesses to journaling. Sometimes you write as if you were preparing your own case for canonization, like, Oh, loving Father, thou hast blessed me with many gifts this day, but I am so eminently conscious of my many sins. And he's like, the listener says to himself, um, wait, he's just talking like he normally talks, but except with an accent. It's like, yes, I know. I always do that. So whatever. Okay. Um, but regardless, I think a journal can help bring before your mind's eye what is in fact going on therein. Yeah. And then it can open you up to those inspirations by making them more conscious, deliberate, intentional. Um, so that way you can exercise them with a, with a greater engagement. Um, so yeah, to add to, to yours. Your two father joseph anthony those additional two and listeners you're going to have more besides um you're going to have yeah. ways in which you sensitize your mind to the promptings of the spirit and those are good and and when you do and when you follow them and it bears fruit you know you're going to be able to register that as saint paul describes yeah. in the letter to the galatians with you know with faith and with patience and with constancy and with love and with peace and with dot 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 so all right we're, we're rounding the turn, then Uh, we thought, you know, in some of these episodes, a good way to conclude would be by meditating on the witness of a saint who exemplifies this gift of the Holy Spirit in a particular way. And we talked a little bit, you know, before pushing record about St. Dominic. So Father Joseph Anthony, things about St. Dominic, what you think, commend him as a model of of counsel. Yeah,
1: I think I mean, all credit goes to you on this one for suggesting our uh, Holy Father, St. Dominic uh, for this, but it's, it's, it's very true and important. I think um, when we look at the life of St. Dominic, he was, uh, so in tune with the mind of God and the inspirations, um, in that inspiration to found, uh, the brothers devoted to the holy preaching was because he encountered the spiritual poverty of those in the South of France, those who fell prey to Albigensianism. And so he, you know. You can see the divine life working in him; that he was motivated by the and, and took pity by the um, hurt, the the wounds, and the the failures of of those in that culture, and so he did the you know bold steps. And I think those who kind of can work with the mind of God and act in those inspirations to follow. Uh, the, the the mind of god with respect to prudence means that there are times it may seem like they're doing really bold decisions and they're taking bold actions but he sent the brothers out and dispersed the brethren early on two by two because he saw the mind of god in the need for the preaching throughout all of Europe at that time and all of the world. So when we look to St. Dominic as a, a model of the council is that he was so in tune with the mind of God and took counsel when it came to actions that sometimes the execution of that action seemed to, Seemed really bold and outlandish, but he was utterly convinced because he was able to be in union with uh, the mind of God in taking such actions and was unafraid to do it. And that's where, you know, fortitude comes into play and and all those other things. But you could see even his ability to to see the need and to see what it would take to address this properly was uh, the gift of counsel.
0: Boom. I've just three small anecdotes about St. Dominic to um, just pepper in some fun details. One, so St. Dominic founded the Order of Preachers. As you know, this is an 800-year project and going. So he laid a good foundation, and part of the reason for which was because he consulted those who had gone before him. So the Dominican Mm -hmm. rule of life is just taken from St. Augustine just boom, just taken from St. Augustine. And then the Dominican (laughs) constitutions were kind of a sweet, gentle blend of the Cistercian constitutions and the Promontstretensian or the Norbertine constitutions with various little flair added in here and there. But it was basically like, this is a thing that's worked. This is a thing that has produced saints. So let's adapt it just ever so slightly for a new expression, for a new mode. So really, really docile in that regard and really open as it were to the prompting, which had been made known in earlier generations mm-hmm. of religious life. Another thing too is, I mean, he was on the lookout, you know, for these inspirations. And so the story is told that he was on the hill of Fangeau, and he was overlooking the valley there in Languedoc. And he saw what is referred to as the sign du, or the sign of God, which descended on the town of Pruy, which is where he founded the first monastery of nuns. So he was a man on the lookout. But then the last thing is, he also knew his own mind once his mind had been made up or conformed to that of God. It was just like full send. Not many people had done this kind of mendicancy friar thing uh, up until the time of Saints Francis and Dominic. And so a lot of people questioned the, the, well, the prudence of his judgments. And he is quoted as having said on various occasions, don't question me, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) <laughs> so you see they're like you know taking counsel it, it it comes to its term or it comes to its fruition in judgment and once you've made a judgment we'll see it through that's what we mean by constancy yeah, so yeah. we shouldn't be precipitous just fly off the handle without taking counsel but once we make a decision mm-hmm. we ought to be constant now we're going to need to return to it we're going to need to edit it at times on account of the fact that yeah it's it's proved um yeah not not ideal or not excellent in its manifestation but cheers you got to see it through you can't just constantly revise because yeah. that's that's not discernment right that's just analysis paralysis so saint dominic pray for us you are the man glad you had your mind made up and i'm glad you had your mad man up by god cheers a million let's go. all right father joseph anthony final thoughts before we conclude no i um
1: i think counsel is a deeply important gift maybe overlooked a little bit there are other ones that like you know did that seem a little more in line. Council gets like swept under the rug a little bit. It's like, oh, that just means like, you know, taking, you know, taking advice of God. It's like, no, this is actually deeply rooted in one of the m- most important virtues to perfect, uh, is prudence, which you have your entire book on. So, you know, product placement, go read this book. I mean, can we edit that in right now or go read this book? Please. Yeah, um, thank you but no, I think uh, I love it. Big fan. Uh, I should do better at it. I'm not the best at it though.
0: (laughs) Hey, we can all stand to improve while we yet have life within us. All right. Thanks as always, gentle listener for tuning into God's planning. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, maybe on TikTok, depending on whether it's banned from your state. If it's Montana, then it's banned from your state. Uh, Like the episode, subscribe (laughs) on YouTube or on your podcast app, and leave a five-star review in your kindness, uh, in the kindness of your heart. Um, If you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, we'd be super grateful, and you can follow the link in the description or show notes. In those same show notes, you will find links to merchandise and uh, information on upcoming retreats. So if my math is correct, there are two retreats to which you can apply at this juncture. One is the All Comers Retreat in the middle of June, so for everyone 21 and older. And then the other is the Men's Retreat in the middle of August. So that's for men, because it's a Men's Retreat. So hope to see you at one or the other, or both. Uh, all right, that's it. No of our prayers for you. Please pray for us and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Planning.